0: Awesome. Well, it's so great to be up here today. And I just, I just want to say I love you all so much. I love my church family here. I love being family. I love worshiping together on Sundays. I love going out and worshiping all throughout the week and then coming back together and worshiping again together. It's just such a great dynamic we have here that we get to worship our King. So it's good to be here today. And I'm excited to share with you all what the Holy Spirit has placed in my heart, the message he's given me. Um, as you can see up there, I'm going to be sharing on kingdom belonging in our city and talking about who we are as the church in our city right here in Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill. But let's begin with some prayer. Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. Yeah, we just welcome you. We know you're here. We know you're present. We know it's you who is bringing the word today. We submit ourselves to you, Jesus, completely, 100% submitted to you. We submit our hearts to you and our minds to you today, Jesus. We thank you that you are a God of belonging. You are the God who loves who creates space for us, who invites us to the banqueting table. And so today, as we come together to banquet with you and feast on your words, on your love, on your desire for us as the body of Christ in our cities, we ask that our ears, our eyes, our minds would be open Our hearts would be open to you, Jesus, and that my words and the meditations of my heart would be the overflow of your heart today and your word for the church, for the body. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, so I wanted to start with a couple questions. I think Jesus, I know Jesus. We all know he was great at asking questions, and these are just thought-provoking questions, okay? These are some things that have been stirring my heart for some time now over the years, as the church, does our city know us? What are we known for? And who are we known as? Right? So let's think about that while I share. I'm going to share from uh, Isaiah 61. So if you'll turn with me there. Uh, as you guys all know, Jesus, he began his ministry by opening the scroll in the synagogue. Right? Right? And sharing, it says in Luke, he shared from this prophet, from this this word, and it was the beginning of his ministry here on earth, right? Actually, I really believe the beginning of his ministry was the day he came to earth and was born here, but it was the beginning of him revealing the kingdom of heaven and revealing who he was to us and what he came for. And so as we read this, I want us all to place ourselves right here. I want this to be a declaration over our lives as I read and I want you to think about what this means for your life. If Jesus spoke these words and he said, this is why I have come. Then what does that mean for each of us, right? With Jesus living inside of us. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. So I read a little further than where Jesus ends it, and reads to, but I wanted us to read through that verse, verse 5. Um, now, I'm going to invite you guys to close your eyes with me for a minute, okay? I'm not going to close mine, but you can close yours. I have a little exercise where I'd like you to use your imaginations and just sit in this. I'm going to paint a picture for us as the church in our city. Imagine for a minute that we the church, packed up, closed our doors, and left. We were just gone. Now imagine, what would our neighbors, the people around us, businesswomen, businessmen, teachers, students, hospital workers, first responders, the poor, the hurting, the homeless, oppressed, orphans, widows, in our city think? Would they say, good riddance, they were the worst. They didn't tip well at restaurants. They cut me off coming out of the parking lot. They were snooty, grouchy, irritable. They made judgments about us. They told us how we should live by their heavy standards and even who we should vote for. They didn't care well at all for us or others. They bickered amongst themselves. They didn't even get along. And we're divided by issues on social media. I'm glad they're gone, those Christians. Or maybe even worse, would anyone even notice that we were gone? Because we kept so to ourselves, our meals, our events, our conferences, our money, our services, our socials, our ministries, and our programs inside our buildings, our homes, our cars, our walls— where we stayed tucked away, safe and snug. Would our city never miss us or even know we were gone? Because maybe they never really knew we were here. Or would they say, oh man, where did they go? We really needed them. They loved us so well, those Christ followers. They took care of our needs. Crime was down because of their presence. We were well-fed, well-cared for. Poverty was being eradicated. Lives were being changed, restored, healed in our city. Our needs were met, and we felt safe with them around. We knew we could count on the church. Their arms were open, and now they're gone. What will we do without them? You can open your eyes. It's, just, it's a sobering thought. This came to me a couple years ago. And as we come out of just imagining that and putting ourselves in that place and thinking about our city, I want to revisit the three questions that I just asked, but I want, to, I want to ask them in a different tense. I want to ask them in a future tense, okay? Will our city know us? What will we be known for? And who will we be known as? Catch the fire. Church. Um, a little about myself. So you guys know me, most of you, but, um, Justin, my husband and I, as Aaron said, are the outreach pastors here. And we, with our three incredible girls, Isley, who's 16, she's devastated that I'm pointing her out in the front row, Eden, who's 13, who's working in the kids' classroom today and Amelia, who's 10. Moved here from Ohio about seven years ago to be a part of this body. Yeah, it was a calling of the Lord on our lives, and we didn't know why he was calling us here. We actually thought we were going to be foreign missionaries, and he actually planted us here, which is incredible because this journey, we have stretched and grown so much in this community. And staying with the same community through the thick and thin, through all of the hard times, through all the great times, is how you grow, right? You stay because God has planted you right? You don't run and leave. And this is a, this is a real message I think the church needs, but that's, I can go into that another time. But I really think, I really think that being in the community together, in community together means being family. And we've been family here and we've gotten to grow with you all. And we've, we've rubbed arms with you all and we've learned from you all. And hopefully you've learned something from us along the way as well. But, um, what we get to do together, what God has called us to, the vision that the Lord put in our hearts many years ago, uh, it was to disciple our city. It was to go into our city and to start in the places where nobody wanted to go, right? To start in the lowest places and to begin with the people that everybody said, oh, they're to this, they're to that. I've people forgotten about him. Oh, it's too scary. Oh, nobody, you know, nobody should go there. And so that was the vision the Lord placed in our heart. And out of that was birthed Embrace Durham. And and I say this not as Justin and I birthed Embrace Durham. It was a vision he gave us. But we as the church birthed Embrace Durham, right? This is a ministry that we as the church get to do along with some other outreach ministries as well. But we're embracing our city. We're loving our city together. We're discipling our city by meeting practical needs. And then those open the doors for us to be in people's lives and share the gospel with them, lead them to Jesus, teach them about forgiveness, teach them what it means to walk with him, to know him, to be in family, to belong. And you guys, so many of you are a part of this ministry. So many of you are part of that in the city. but that could not happen unless God had taught us how to love the church and love the city. This is really important, okay? Because there are some who really love the church, and there are some who really love the city. And sometimes if we really love the church, but we don't really love the city, we forget about what's outside, right? And if we really love the city, but we don't really love the church, we say, Ugh, I don't need them. They're not doing it. I don't care. I can do it on my own. And we've seen that. But Justin, we, Justin and I felt like, how do we really love the church and really love the city? Because God has called us church to be a standard in our city. He has called us to be involved. He has called us as the church to be fully established in our cities. He placed his church in the cities to establish us, right? To love the city. And so we began Embrace Durham under the local church, because that felt really important. We wanted to do it with the church, as the church, not off on our own, right? And you guys are doing this with us. Many of you have been a part of that. We don't all have the same part, but we all have a part. We're made differently. We are created in his image differently, with different gifts and different callings. And when we come together, we create family. And we love our city, Different people with different callings coming together and different giftings to love the city and to show the city what it means to follow Jesus. This is discipleship. Yeah. Jesus, uh, it says in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, and Jesus came and said to them, all, all, nothing left out, right? Authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Holy of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So if all authority is in Jesus, all authority is in us, right? And if we want to make disciples of nations, we have to start with our cities, because nations are made up of cities. And God has placed his church in communities and in cities. It's really important. Jesus says in Matthew 5:14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and hide it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all of the house in the same way, let your light shine, and this is for the church, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Guys, we were not meant to run from the darkness, Right? We were not meant to run from the darkness, right? We know a God who ran into our darkness. He wasn't afraid. He came in and he said, I'm not afraid of that. In fact, I'm going to show you the light. I am the light and I'm going to reach down into that pit and I'm going to pull you out. Each one of us was pulled from a pit. Each one of us has a story where we were we were pulled out of that darkness because God wasn't afraid to run in. So we as the church, whatever that darkness looks like around us, don't have to be afraid. We get to join Jesus in running in there. And you catch the fire are a standard in this city. I just want to speak that. I want to speak that to you. It's a declaration. We as the church catch the fire, Raleigh, Durham, are a standard in our city. We have something we can bring to our city. And we are bringing it. And we will bring it. Do you guys remember... Um, the nursery rhyme. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. Here are the people, right? Right. So a few years ago, that just kept playing. I was praying for the city and praying for the church. And the Lord just kept, uh, He kept putting that in my heart. And I would do it over and over. And I'm like, what are you saying? What are you saying? And He's like, this is really good. Like, this is a gathering place. This is where we come together under this roof and this wall. But if we stay here, we're hidden under a basket. But this, this, this is good, right? It's the building, but it's not the church. This is when the church shines, right? Right. And so it's the inside out church. And he kept speaking to me about that. You have to receive from me together and then you have to go out. You have to show my light to this world. You have to run into those dark places. He's just, he's not afraid of those places. Um, it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but when we were getting started, I don't know why I said it's funny. When we were getting started with Embrace, we would, we would gather together, and I remember it was like Davon and Danielle, they would come out with us, and Linda Wilson, and uh, the Mulettas and Orthners. It was so fun. It was the beginnings like five years ago, and we just wanted, we wanted to go to like the most the, the hardest places, as I said. And so we started going down with sandwiches and water bottles once a month and we'd go down and we chose to go at night. I don't know why, like, I guess we felt extra radical, but <laughs> it was, or maybe it was because everyone was working during the day and no one could go out. So we went at night when everyone could go, but yeah, we would just go into these places and and some of these places, people would be like, this is the, we, the people down there would be like, oh, You think this area is bad, go over here. And it would actually be God's direction to us. Okay, then we've got an open door over here. We're going here. And then once a month, we would gather in Justin's in my living room when we were living in North Raleigh and just worship together. And as we worshiped, the Lord would just pour out revelation. It was the beginnings. It was like the sweet beginnings of the ministry. It was the sweetness of, of him giving us what our model looked like as the church here in this city. Right. And so we were worshiping together one night and I had this open vision and in the vision, um, it felt like we were all having it together, but I had this open vision and I saw all those places. Everyone said, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go, go there. And. And in those places, the, the corner where the girls um, sell themselves to to support their their lives, uh, the corner where the heroin addicts shoot up and they sell heroin, the corner where plasma is sold at the bus stop, and then all the drug uh, the drug dealers stand there, and people take the money they made off their pl- anyway off their plasma and buy their drugs. Those places are really hard off places. And there was a man standing there, and he was very unassuming. He looked like everybody else right? He had jeans and a sweatshirt and a baseball cap on, and he was just standing with his arms crossed and his head down in each of those places hanging out. And the Holy Spirit said to me, look closer. And so I zeroed in on this man. And as I zeroed in on him, he lifted his head and he looked to me straight in the eyes and he locked eyes with mine. And they were the most beautiful eyes I had ever seen. Eyes of fire, eyes of liquid love. And he said to me, I'm already here. Will you join me? And the moment he said that to me, I knew he was not talking just to me, but to the church. He was talking to all of us. And what he was saying is there is no dividing line, right? I. Already hang out here. I want you here with me. I want you in the places in your city where you take what you've received and you bring it in to those dark places. And you don't have to be afraid because I've gone ahead of you. I paid the price. I am the light of the world. And I'm out here inviting you to partner with me. And and it was the beginning of what we, as the church, knew with Embrace Terum would be our model because suddenly we didn't have to be afraid. Suddenly we knew that if Jesus was already there, then we were gonna to run to Jesus and we were gonna join Jesus. If the king of the universe wants to partner with us, we don't have to be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of, right? He is in us, he is partnering with us, he's already out there, he's gone ahead of us, he's behind us, he's around us, he's above us, he's below us, this is his earth, this is his city, right? We are his church. We are his people. Yeah. So that was just, and, and you know, even as I say that, guys, I just want to, I want to share that this isn't about like, even like I know Erica talked about last week. This isn't one more thing you have to do. Like, I don't, I don't want this message to feel like that, right? This is what we get to do. We get to love our neighbors. We get to serve people. We get to ask him for opportunities and go with him. I was reading this quote by Graham Cook on, um, social media last week. Our performance comes after the gift of God, never before. You don't do something to earn something from God. God gives you something, and then you become it. God gives us something, we become it. And we. And I want to add to that, and we give it away, right? We don't have to work ourselves up. This is coming out of the overflow of who catch the fire already is. Yeah, exactly. It's so fun. and. Um, right around like the time we were also starting, there's this really cool moment where, um, we would drive past, well, several moments. we'd drive past this old motel down in, uh, Durham. And every time we drove past, I'd see these scenarios, like these little, like people like selling drugs or someone, um, buying somebody else and, and things were happening there. And I could feel how dark it was. And every time we drove by, I would begin to, to weep compassion from the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know this place. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. Like I could tell it was probably a motel, but compassion would fill my heart and I'd weep. And this went on for like five months and the Holy Spirit every time would say to us, you need to go there. You need to go there. And, and I don't think it was the right timing at the time, so it took about five months, but the right timing came. We had friends in from England and Ireland, and they came for a week. They're evangelists over there, and they were going out on the streets with us every single day, and we were we were actually, that was the week we were doing our first feast. Some of you guys remember we used to do these elaborate feasts in the park together as a church, and we'd serve and love the community, and it was this really hard area. And um, we were doing our first feast that week, and we had all these invitations we'd been passing out. And my friend John called Justin and I one morning on, I think, a Wednesday. And he said, hey, you know that, that motel God's been speaking to you about for months? He's like, let's go there today. And we were like, yes. I remember, like, crying. I was so happy. I was like, it felt right. It felt like the right time. So we gathered here at the, in this church building. And we prayed out front. And we had, we had made cookies and we had our invitations. And as we're praying, our friend Dermot says, I think, I hear the Lord saying somebody has been waiting for you there. And we're like, oh, okay, well, all right, well, let's go. So we drive down there and we get in there and we pull in through this, like the backside and this is all new territory for us. And we pull into this like courtyard area and as we get out of our cars, guys, Like I don't want to pretend that we looked really awesome and radical, and everyone came like flying out, was like, "Yes, the gospel." It was like we felt so lame. We had a little plate of cookies, and we had we had some hot chocolate, and we had some invitations for this feast, and we were like, "Oh!" And and a few people came out on their porches, and they looked at us, and they're like, and they looked at us like we were crazy. And we're like, we've got cookies. And it was, I mean, but we were being obedient, right? We were being obedient. <laughs> and so some of the team goes around and, and, and begins to minister and, and share with people. And I'm standing there in the courtyard with my plate of cookies. And I'm like, okay, God, you told me to come here. You told us to come here. We're here. We're obedient. And this woman comes storming. Like she came out of the office, like beelining it for me. And she looked, she looked scary. Like she was, she looked like she knew what she was doing and I did not. And she walked right up to me and she starts speaking to me in, in broken English. And she starts telling me about how she's a supervisor there and she cleans the rooms and I immediately am ready to apologize and say, oh, well, we're just here. We won't stay long. And she goes, no, 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 no. You don't understand. And tears filled her eyes. And she said, A year, she goes, a church used to come here. I've lived here seven years with my daughter, Rosa. She said, a church used to come here. And a year ago, they just stopped coming. We don't know why. They just stopped coming. And she said, ever since that day, every single day, Rosa and I pray in our room every night for the church to remember us. And we've been waiting for you. Right? And she has tears and I have tears, right? It was powerful. And she grabs me in this hug and I'm like, and I get the team and I'm like, oh gosh, like guys, this is incredible. And she is the mama of this place. Like she's been there. Everyone loves her, knows her. She starts knocking on the door. She's handing out our invitations and cookies. We're sharing the gospel. We're praying with people. We didn't even have enough team to do this. It was so incredible. And guys, she, her and her daughter, Rosa, we're still friends with them. Her name's Maria, and her husband, Edgar, and she gave me permission. They gave me permission to share their story today. I always like to ask permission. Um, and she... We journeyed with them, okay? We spent a lot of time with these guys, and their situation was really, really rough for a lot of years. They'd gone from homelessness to living there. Many of you remember them. We, as a body, as a church, went through a lot of stuff with them, including Rosa. She ended up getting raped at age 14 and chose to keep the baby. And we, as a church, threw her a baby shower and went to all of her doctor's appointments with her. Mitch Muletta was there the night she gave birth. I was out of town went through the whole night with her, through the birth. They kept the baby. And we, 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 we prayed with them. We began to pray with them. What are your dreams? In the midst of the most devastating circumstances, we started to say, what are your dreams? We're here. What are your dreams, right? And we began to pray about their dreams. A three-bedroom house with a yard, good jobs, getting out of the budget in, obviously, stable jobs, work, work for Edgar. And God opened all of those doors. I am telling you, even, even with this mustard seed of faith that we had, because it was mustard seed when you looked at their circumstances, He began to open the doors. And now they are connected with our friends who pastor a church in High Point, and we moved them there. And they're raising baby angel and they're living not just in a three bedroom. They've now moved to a four bedroom house with a yard. Edgar has this incredible job where he's using his skills. The church is helping them build credit there so they can buy their first house. And we've, yeah, and we visited them last year and Rosa graduated high school early while raising her son online, and she got a full ride scholarship to High Point University, right? And she is doubling in architecture and business. And do you know what she told us? She's 17 now. What she told us was, I don't want to just, I don't want to just work for an architecture firm. I want to have my own firm. That's why I'm doubling in business. And I want it to be a kingdom architecture business, right? So that story, I say that guys, because that's what happens when the church partners with our cities, right? When we come in and we get involved and we say, we're not going to shrink back. We're not going to shrink back, right? And that could be your neighbor who's struggling with alcoholism. It could be your boss whose husband just left her and is a single mom now, or it could be the server at your table who is just going through really devastating circumstances financially or something, but it's where are you, where are you asking me to partner with you, Jesus in my city and take what I have and give it away. Yeah. So going back to Isaiah 61, I just want to talk a little bit about what, what was what Jesus was saying here. If we, I'm just going to go through this kind of quickly. You can open if you'd like to, to it, but, um, In Isaiah 61, the first section of it is all about Jesus visiting us and bringing salvation, right? He comes to proclaim good news. He's been sent to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom, release for prisoners, proclaim the Lord's favor, comfort, provide, bestow, all of these things. He is bringing salvation to us. Then we go into the next verse, and it says, They will be called Oaks of Righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I believe that is where Jesus is saying, I'm establishing you. I'm planting you. You are an oak tree of righteousness, church. I brought you salvation. I brought freedom. Now I'm establishing you and I'm establishing your identity. Right? And then he goes into, then it goes into, he doesn't say this, but it goes into in in Isaiah 61, they will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore, renew, ruin cities, all of that. And this is where we in turn, he's brought us salvation. He's brought us freedom. We've received, we've been planted, we've been established, we've been rooted. We're oak trees of righteousness in our city. Now we are carrying the same vision, right? We are now going and restoring, rebuilding, repairing. We're bringing it to our city. That's what we're called to do. That is the model, church, right? That is the model. Jesus was involved. He did not shrink back. And he asked us to join him in bringing the kingdom in our cities. Building kingdom. When we talk about kingdom... Let's talk about what, what is this kingdom? What is the kingdom that Jesus was talking about? I believe it's a place of belonging, right? I believe it's family. I believe it's who we are as the church, but who belongs to the kingdom of heaven? When you look it up in scripture, it actually gets flipped. The question gets flipped. It's not who belongs to the kingdom of heaven, it's who does the kingdom of heaven belong to, right? Now that's a different question. That is a question of ownership. That is a question of us pulling down the kingdom of heaven, us grabbing hold of the kingdom of heaven, us bringing and building and establishing something, right? Right? That's us running in and grabbing hold and running out and giving away and building and and restoring and establishing. It's a different question. And if you look up the kingdom of heaven on Encyclopedia Britannica online, it says it's the spiritual realm in which God reigns as King or the fulfillment on earth of God's will. So who does it belong to and who fulfills God's will? Matthew 5.3, Jesus says it belongs to the poor in spirit, right? And in Matthew 19.14, he says it belongs to the little children. So I propose that the kingdom of heaven is something God wants to establish, and it belongs to those. He wants to establish it through us, his church, here in the cities, in the nations. And it belongs to those who are ready to receive. The poor in spirit and childlike our places. I, feel, I believe those are postures. Well, they are postures. Postures of the heart where we receive. We all had to become that in order to receive the kingdom. And there are so many people out there who are waiting to receive the kingdom, to receive Jesus, to see us bring it into our cities. But they can't unless we are involved, unless we really take our job seriously as the church and we join Jesus where he's already at. If you think about the first thing that happened after Pentecost, the church gets established, right? So the Holy Spirit comes in all his power. They're waiting, waiting, waiting. He comes, we get filled up, and then the church establishes. It, est- it gets established by gathering together and then by going out and caring for its city, right? All of the book of Acts is about gathering and caring for the city and ministries are started out of that in the city. And the city's needs are met. People's needs are met, right? Because the church has decided to gather and be involved. Right before Pentecost, Jesus says, before he ascends in Acts 1, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and I propose Durham, Raleigh, Chapel Hill, whatever city you carry, whatever city you live in, and to the ends of the earth. I say it again. We cannot disciple nations if we don't disciple our cities, right? The nations are made up of our cities. We are called and established here to disciple our city, guys. And we are doing this together already. I'm not saying this to you to say, we're not doing this. We got to do better. I'm saying this to you because we're already doing it. We're already doing it. We're involved here. There are so many practical ways to be a part of this through Catch the Fire, through the ministries that we have out there. And it's, it's fun. That's the other thing. I just, I, I love that one of our values of Catch the Fire is to have fun, right? It's so fun. It's, it's fun to be together. It's fun to follow Jesus. And when we go out in the city, it's fun. I remember when we were first going out, I remember Davon, you remember this. We would just say, let's have fun. Let's just be family. Let's have joy. And we would laugh and everybody would, people would want to follow us. They didn't want to leave us. They're like, why? You guys all look different, act different. And he's like, but you love each other. They'd say, you love each other. And then they'd want to be with us and they'd follow us around. And sometimes we'd be like, they would follow us to our cars because they just loved, they were attracted to the fact that we had fun and we were family. Um, something really important is, that I find really important, is what we, thinking about what we carry, what, what is in our DNA. Um, and Duncan and Kate, you could probably help with this, because I'm like fourth generation stepping into this beautiful river of Catch the Fire, right? I like stepped in way down. I didn't get to help establish it, but I got to be a part of it and bring what I could add to it, Justin and I, right, right? Yeah, it's getting wider. So, but but whether you know it or not, if you're here, if you call Catch the Fire your home, you have a DNA here that goes way back to like 1994 when the revival, the blessing fell on Toronto, and when the blessing fell on Toronto, what were the what were the things that were imparted? It was a father's heart sonship, right? Heart healing, we, we really have a value for heart healing, so inner healing came out of that. Um, identity, sonship, the Father's heart, uh, the Father's love for us, Holy Spirit encounters, like the presence of God. These are all things that we carry as Catch the Fire together. But then some of us also carry other keys and things God has given us. So it's it's as simple as looking at what do we carry, what do we have, and then giving it away. And that can be individually with your neighbors. But, guys, I, I want to propose that we're meant to do it together. We're meant to do it as family, right? To give it away as family. Um, there's an ease to it when we do it as family. We work with a lot of people out on the streets who struggle with addiction. And... Um, one of the things that we like to say is that, uh, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, but it's belonging. Okay. And what I mean by that, when I say the opposite of addiction is not sobriety is belonging, it's that healing happens, healing of the brain, healing of the heart happens in a place of belonging and connection. And if you look up the opposite of addiction on Google, it actually says connection. It said that's, if you just type that in, it says connection and goes into why in the brain. My uh, cousin Sammy is a neuroscientist down in Atlanta, and she's like incredibly brilliant and spirit filled. God gives her dreams and all these visions for the work she does, and she works specifically with the brains that are affected by trauma and drug abuse. And when she was visiting us a few years ago, Justin proposed that to her. He said, I really believe from working on the streets that the opposite of addiction is belonging. It's not sobriety. And she said, absolutely. That's what science is proving. That's what science is proving that the brain heals in a place of belonging. And so it's something to think about as the church, that when we are, when we are creating family and we are going out and we are bringing people into a place of belonging, we're actually bringing healing, right? Right. People want to know that they have family and they're loved. And that's what we get to do together. Um, And some of you here, some of you here already are doing things that you feel really called to, to serve and love your neighbors in the city. Um, But I also want to connect you. If you... If you don't really know how to get involved, but you've been burning and you want to get involved, there are a lot of ministries here that are coming out of this church and serving in, in the city. And there's a lot of ways to get connected. Embrace, you heard about Embrace Durham. Um, you can talk with Justin or I or any of our team members, Laura Sinkler's here, or Muleta's or Massengales, any of them, about getting more involved in that. We have so many ways. Um, but there's also, we have Anthony James, Would you? would you wave your hand, Anthony here. He is a, he is a chaplain in the prisons and he is starting up a prison ministry. Um, and he's actually doing training on July 16th from our embrace building over on pleasant drive and going to be doing uh, quarterly training. So if you'd like to get involved in that, it's going to be awesome. You can talk to him afterwards. That's another way to get involved. And then Janae, Janae got the E wave. Yeah, this is Janae and some of you know her and John Abernathy. Um, she's been serving just the single moms and kids for quite some time. And they're starting a ministry called Father Me, where it's about families, men and women of God and families coming alongside those who don't have fathers in the house or mothers in the house and journeying with them and loving them, providing for practical and spiritual and heart needs. So that's another way you can talk with her. I think she has some cards with her. Um, if you'd like to get involved in that so these are just some of the ways um but there are a lot of ways and I I just I want us I want to go ahead and invite everyone to stand right now with me yeah we're gonna go into a time of ministry if let's just close our eyes close our eyes yeah Jesus thank you Thank you that we get to do kingdom life together. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are so involved in our lives that you love your church. You love this church right here and you have placed us right here. You have placed us right here in this specific time in this specific place. Yeah. Just begin to focus on his eyes. His face, the glorious one, the beautiful one, Jesus. The one who's already out there. The one who created room at the banqueting table. Jesus, we just love you. We fix our eyes on you. We fix our hearts on you. We fix our minds on you. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I feel like the Lord just wants, he wants us to be in this place of receiving right now. It's just everything I was saying, it's not, it's what he's speaking right now, it's not about us working it up, mustering it up to give something away that we don't already have. Some of you can just open your hands as you feel led. I feel him putting things in. I see him putting things in our hands, in our hearts. I see him removing fear, removing strongholds, removing places that have felt locked up by almost a sense of, I'm inadequate. I want to do this, but I feel inadequate. And I feel like the Lord is wiping that off. He's taking that away. He's brushing that off of you. You can just give it to him as you feel it come up. If there's fear there, just give it to him as you feel it come up. I feel like some of us in this room have been hearing him for quite some time, almost like this burning in your heart to do something, to go out, to knock on that neighbor's door, to ask them how you can help them or or care for them or that person at work. And you're burning because you feel the Lord calling you, just like I was burning for the budget in, the motel. But you don't know how to begin. And I feel like God is just putting his hand on your shoulder right now. And there's a sweetness there. I hear him whispering in your ear. Just look for me. Just look for me. I'm inviting you into something. I'm inviting you church into something. I'm inviting you into my nature, my heavenly nature. I am the God who loves my church and loves the city. I have placed it in. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And if you just, if you feel, if you feel a burning in your heart for more, I feel like there's an impartation today that God is giving. Feel free to come out of your seat and come up front. We have a couple people who will pray for you. We would love to pray for you. We would love to lay hands on you and, and just pray for that burning in your hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, come on up and just receive, receive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Let's just have some of yeah, the Embrace team come up, pray for people. Lord, what is it you are speaking? What are you saying? What are you doing? Where are you calling me deeper? And what are you calling me to? We love you, Jesus.